Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age. So parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Do you dream someday of becoming a millionaire? Or maybe being financially free? What about for your kids? Well, what if you one day did achieve that dream, but then a year later lost everything? My guest today, Cody Laughlin, lived that experience. He became a millionaire at the age of 27. And when he became 28, he went bankrupt. How did that happen? How could he go from being on top of the world, achieving all the success, to then having his possessions taken away and going deep in debt. Cody learned that he was missing one essential skill, and without it, it can ruin the most talented, determined individual. What was that skill? As he described, he was financially illiterate. He didn't know how to manage his money because they didn't teach that in school. Fortunately, Cody's story doesn't end there. Cody's companies have reached over $200 million in sales. They've reached the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing companies twice. And he's also served as the vice president of a commercial bank. Personally, has financed over $100 million in loans. So 10 years after that bankruptcy, Cody was actually able to retire at the age of 39. Now Cody's mission is to equip youth with those essential financial literacy skills. So he works with parents so they can educate their kids better on how to become financially free through powerful connecting conversations that allow, allow them to build deep, lasting relationships. So if you want to give your kids the necessary skills for success in life, this episode is definitely for you. So I'm super excited to welcome you back to the show. Hi, Cody. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Jerry. That's awesome. So good to have you back. You're, uh, you run our, our launch series back in uh, October. How, how, are, how are you doing right now? Like, what's, what's going on for you? <laughs> you know, I almost feel guilty, but just had a fantastic year, you know, just being able to get out there, talk with a lot of high achieving people. I think I've done over a hundred interviews this year. Launched a book two weeks ago that became number one bestseller in nine categories on Amazon. So that was pretty fun. Oh, really? I, <laughs> I, I missed, a, <laughs> I missed yeah, that, that was uh, a, episode. <laughs> that was a fun experience. So, uh, you know, and, and, and just, it's just getting ready for 2021, man. I'm, I'm, I'm got strategic planning in place and, just continuing to spread the message and, and be out there and try to help parents connect with their kids over financial literacy and entrepreneurship and uh, just giving them the tools that so many successful people are willing to give. Awesome. And just, you know, this is a little plug for your book. What, what's it called? Million Dollar Dads, actually. Awesome. So yeah. about, about your, your story, I assume? Yeah. So it was me and uh, six other entrepreneurs that have had, you know, million dollar companies and kind of telling our story. You know, it's, it's really funny because the more, I don't know, quote unquote, successful people that I talk to, 
the more you find that their valleys were just as deep as their peaks, right? And so there's a lot of story to that and a lot of kind of the rocky situation where it's like, it's not how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you get back up. And right. so, uh, you know, there's no straight path to success. And it's really kind of about that story of, you know, wins and losses. And hopefully they've added up to more wins and lessons from the losses. Awesome. Yeah, I know that sounds like a great, uh, great book for people to pick up, maybe in time for Christmas. <laughs> so I'd love to go back to that the opening of our podcast episode here where, you know, you had this amazing success in your in your late 20s and then it all came crumbling down maybe can you walk us through some of that experience yeah it's always kind of funny to hear it again you know so it's like uh (laughs) there's a little bit of like you know uh scarring there but uh you know i wouldn't have changed it now for anything in the world but i'm a big believer in setting goals no matter how big they are and so at 19 years old i i lost my dad and i was bartending and a guy came in and I was the only person in the bar. He was there. It was like a Tuesday or something. And we just sat and talked for a while. And he ended up being this big stockbroker. I mean, very successful guy. And he went out to his car and he brought me back in a book. And he handed me the book, which I've never... At that point, I'd never finished a book for fun anywhere. And he said, you read this book and it will change your life. And it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so I was looking for something. I I read it. At the same time, I was going to school to be a marine biologist. And uh, I was in a finance class. And I learned about compound interest and the amazing pieces of it and, uh, and a lot of other finance pieces. And between that, I, I immediately changed my major. I told everyone I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. And, you know, I would guess probably the majority of people probably laughed at me or talked behind my back about it. But I didn't really care because I, I, I'm a big believer in setting out of goals. And so I did that. You know, fast forward eight years, it's 27 years old. I owned four companies. I had a condo on the beach. I had investment properties. I owned a company that was doing seven figures in commissions. And, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. You know, and so in that time period, though, it was always like, well, I'm basically spending the next commission, right? As they were coming in, the commissions kept getting bigger and bigger. And I just kept spending bigger and bigger. And, uh, and when the music stopped in 2008, I owned four real estate companies in the epicenter of the financial crash. And so a year later, basically in foreclosure in, I owed, you know, I had IRS tax liens and for all intents and purposes, about a 700 grand in debt with no job, <laughs> no money. Uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of phone calls from the creditors coming in. <laughs> yeah. Talk about uh, low Valley, as you were saying earlier. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough one. You know, I wouldn't, um, it, I, I always kind of laugh because when people ask me about it and they say, well, would you change it? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. Cause I needed it to be humbled. I needed to realize that I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, I wasn't the best at business that I thought I was. And, and, you know, would I change it then? Absolutely. I would have changed it then if you'd give me a magic wand, right? I would have been like, nope, don't want to do this anymore because this is no fun. But looking back, it was probably the greatest lesson in my life. And it changed my perspective. It changed my paradigm. It changed my approach with people and business and just in general of of lifestyle of what I wanted to become. It made me stop and think about setting a different goal because achieving being a millionaire wasn't what it was cracked up to be. In the long term, it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't. It, it, it's just not. It's it's not like you wake up one day and like all of a sudden you're a millionaire. You know, it's like you, you've built this thing over time and it kind of snowballs. And then looking back, I go, oh wait, I was a millionaire. 
<laughs> you know, but <laughs> when the music stopped and all the debt was built up in there uh, and the money stopped coming in, the debt didn't go away. And so it got, you know, that snowballed the other way. And so, you know, I, I've I quickly figured out that, you know, I could make the bell ring, you know, I could, I could bring the dollars in the doors. And I knew I had a secret sauce to how to generate revenue and money and do all this stuff. But I literally had no idea how to run a household or how to run a business for that matter. So how, how did you start digging yourself out with that, that revelation that, you know, no matter how much money you had coming in, if you've got, if you got a, everything's going into a leaky bucket, it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, it was going out as fast as it was coming in. And so, you know, it, it, we, there was a moment where I was sitting out. We were, <laughs> you know, woe is me looking at the ocean, right? But we were sitting in our condo on the eighth floor looking at the ocean in foreclosure no job prospects, just, you know, the world on my shoulders. And my wife said something to me that my mom said to me most of my life, which was, what are you going to do about it? And when she said that, it kind of just triggered this thing in me and it said, you know what? I'm not a victim. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, what do I, what? I had to go look in the mirror basically. And at that point I had to say, you know what? I don't know how to run a business. And people would say, well, how, how would you say that you had 30 employees and four companies and all the success? I didn't. I, I had to look in the mirror and say, I don't know how to run a business, clearly, because the results show that I didn't know how to run a business, right? There were other people that survived and did well. How do I emulate them, right? How, do, how, how can I be a finance guy and have terrible personal finance? You know, it, it, it was a, that's why I say it was a very humbling experience, but I was willing to take that, you know, those lumps internally because I beat myself up more than anyone else ever could. And, you know, I think that comes from playing a lot of sports growing up. But when I did that, I said, okay, what do I need to learn? And I said, I need to learn how to, how, to own, how to run a business. Okay, what else do I need to learn? I need to learn how to handle money. Okay, well, where do I get those resources? And then I started looking, right? And like anything else, when you go to find information out of a necessity or in a determination would probably be a better word, you're going to learn it a lot better. You're going to seek it a lot harder. Um, you have to figure out what your wants are and what your why is. And for me, as I started looking, I, I found this community called FIRE, and that means financially independent, retire early. And what that means really is that you have enough passive income that it covers all of your bills. And at that point, you're financially free. I always thought it was how much money do you have in the, and how much money do you make or how much money do you have in the bank? And it's really not, it's about cash flow, right? And so when I, and, and I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I am going to retire before I'm 40. Here I am, 700 grand in the hole, no job, foreclosures, IRS liens. As I just wished I was broke at that point, right? <laughs> like it would have been so much better off. So when I talk to people and they say, well, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, was like, okay, were you in this situation? Well, no. Well, then you can't, right? So you got to take that excuse away. You have to look in the mirror, which is a hard thing to do. And so I said, I, I'm going to figure out, I want to be retired by 40. And it was pretty ridiculous that I was saying this to myself, but I needed something to drive me to get to where I wanted to go. And I said, okay, well, that's, you know, 12 years from now, like, where do I need? So at 12 years from now, I need to have X, Y, Z built up, you know, uh, whatever that number was. And I said, okay, where do I need to be in year 11? And then where do I need to be in year 10? And I backed it out. Right. And I said, okay, for right now, where do I need to be this year? And I said, okay, where do I need to be this month? And then I broke it down to say, okay, what do I need to do daily to hit my goal for this month? And it became a much smaller bite-sized piece. 
And by doing that, all these little pieces, I would check my, I, and I, and I wrote all this stuff out. And if you're setting big goals, I 1000% recommend writing it down. You're much more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down. But so I wrote us all out and I, you know, I, and I, and I, and I started proclaiming, I said to my wife, I said, this is what I'm going to do. And she was like, I hope we do, how are we going to do this? And I said, I'm just going to do this today. Right. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what I need to do today to move the needle and fast forward 11 years. And I was financially independent, retired early. Wow. And, and just before your 40th birthday, right? I made it before. Yeah, <laughs> actually, actually, yeah, I made it, uh, I made it at 30, 38 and a half basically. And so, which is awesome. Yeah. It wasn't a straight line. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> but, yeah. But, well, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, you, 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 there's a number of things I'd like to unpack from what you're, you're saying there. And I'm sure these are some things that, that come forth in, in your education for, you know, for families and, and young people. Right. Well, one is sort of having that unwavering faith, right. In, in something being possible, declaring what you want and using that as, as a guidepost, just that the mindset, right. Believing that it's possible just by, just by even giving it through saying it, through believing it, through writing it out is really, really important. Right. It's, 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 everything starts as an idea, right? So there's never been a skyscraper built. There's never been a book written. There's never been a, you know, someone that produced a job or, went to do anything without the idea first. And so we go through something like 70,000 thoughts a day. And what I've been told is 75% of them are negative. And most of them are running in our subconscious. But for you to say, you know, if you, if you first have to determine what you want. And for me, I didn't want to be in that situation anymore, right? <laughs> that was my goal. And then I thought about it and I said, you know what, what else do I want? So my dad was at almost every single, he was at every game I ever had. And I played three sports in high school. And so it was a lot. (laughs) And uh, he was at most of my practices. And I'm like, how did he do that? Because he built a job around the way that he wanted to be. And so I thought about it. I didn't have kids yet. We were married. We were talking about it, but kind of, you know, and like, how can we bring kids into this situation? I'm like, well, I want to be able to go and coach my son and if i have a son in little league and i want to be there for my daughter if she's you know i I want to be able to have the freedom that i need to have i don't want to be you know i don't i don't want to be stuck and so that was my why right and so when i determined like when i made made this big goal it's fine to say i want to be a millionaire right so most people they benchmark right so people when they say oh i I want to be a millionaire but first you got to be a thousandaire man you got to be a hundredaire first right Right, yeah you got to be a thousandaire because if you're not good with with a thousand bucks, you're not going to be good with a million dollars, right? And so you have to go through these lessons and you have to seek the information. But anything that you want to achieve, and it's going to kind of sound like a whole Instagram piece, right? But like anything you want to achieve, you literally can. And I tell my kids this as well. They kind of a take on the whole thing about like, you can be whatever you want to be, right? And that's what I always heard growing up. But it was like, mm-hmm. so just wide open, like didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll be yeah. an astronaut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> But so I believe that you can do whatever, anything that you want to do. It's just, we all come from different starting points and we all have different uh, abilities and God given abilities. And it may take, you know, if we both decide we wanted to be on the, uh, on an Olympic skiing team, right. You may be much more inclined physically and uh, in your past to be a skier than I am. So maybe it takes me 
eight hours a day for two years and it takes you two hours a day for six months. Well, I have to determine, even if I want the same goal, if I'm willing to do the things that I, it takes to get there. Yeah. And that's the part that a lot of people, they say, well, they throw out these pieces where it's like, well, I want to be this, but are you committed to doing that? Yeah, you really touched on something really powerful that I, I think really needs to be addressed. It, it really hit for me when I was, I was reading um, there's a, a book. I don't know if you've read it. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Hal Roger wrote The Miracle Morning. He also has a book called The Miracle Equation which he describes as kind of the prequel to his Miracle Morning uh, book. But one of the things that he talks about that he, he got from one of his mentors, uh, his name's escaping at the moment, pretty big name. But basically that goals are less about achieving the goal and it's more about who you have to become in order to be even able to achieve that goal, right? So it, even if you don't, you know, say you didn't retire at age 40, it was age 45, well, you're not going to care that much. It's, it's, it's that transformation that it helped bring about just by, just by having that goal. Yeah, that's the thing is that, you know, like I said, it wasn't a straight line. So it wasn't like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to save, you know, $10 a day and then I'll be there in 10 years. Like that's one way to do things. But like, you know, it, it's really bringing that into fruition and then stating it and proclaiming it that you have to be committed to it. So when you think it in your head and you say, okay, well, I want to be retired by the time I'm 40, right? And you have this thought and then it goes away. And you go on to your other 69,999 thoughts for that day, right? <laughs> and then it just goes in a sea of everything. When you take it out and you say, no, I'm going to put this thing on paper. Like, I want this as a goal. I do it with my kids. Like, even, even little stuff. Like, this summer, we were home and my son was six. And I said he couldn't ride his bike yet for some reason. It was like the one thing that he couldn't. He just was like having a hard time. And we said, okay, what are we going to achieve this summer? Boom, 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 boom. We wrote down five things. It was like, he's going to read 10 books because he, he was uh, just starting to learn how to read. He was going to learn how to ride his bike. He was going to learn how to tie his tennis shoes on his own. You know, it's like these little goals, but we put them on paper in front of him. And we said, okay, what do you need to do? And I broke it down with him. You know, what do you need to do to achieve this? You know, and he's like, I got to read 10 books. I'm like, no, you got to read one book. He was like, you know, he kind of stops. And he thinks, I'm like, you can't read 10 books. You got to read one book. And then you got to read another book. And then you got, and, and so I think a lot of times, when we have to take that break and say, okay, when we really want something and we're going to commit to it, like spend some time working on it, you know, look at it and say, what is it going to take for me to achieve this? If, if you want to get debt free, great. Now, how, what, how much do you have to pay per month to each thing? How do you increase? How do you get better at it? And the thing is, is like, whatever you put light on shines, right? So if you proclaim that this is what I want to do and I'm committed to doing it because everybody wants to do things. When you're committing to doing it, make a plan, give yourself benchmarks and track it and it automatically will get better. It 100% works all the time that whatever you put light on shine. So if you, if you track, I want to be able to run a marathon, you can't go run a marathon tomorrow. Like you have to go run the first mile, right? And you have right. to get better yeah. and build and do these things. And the goal is the marathon. So maybe you get to 12 miles, right? And you don't get to the marathon, but you would have never got to 12 miles if you hadn't set that goal out there to go get it in the first place. Yeah, and, and grown so much in the process. It is. It's the thing is that when you, when you commit to doing something, you're automatically going to change who you are to get there. You know, it's almost like that old saying, like if you, you, know, it's, uh, you aim for the moon and hit the stars, I think is, it, is what it is, right? And so like if you set these things out there, and you commit it, write it down, and you live it, and you breathe it, and you think about it all the time, 
you're automatically going to be geared more towards that. So one thing I'd like to, to ask you is, from your perspective, what, what does financial literacy mean to you? <laughs> it's a certificate you get. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> when you know everything about money, <laughs> uh, yeah, mine. <laughs> you just have to get financial literacy. It's really easy. No, uh, no um, pick that up the library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just buy one. You can get them on Amazon. And so, uh, so financial literacy is is really it's kind of a concept where you're continually learning. Um, it's nothing that you it's nothing that you achieve, right? I don't you don't you don't become financially literate. But the fact that you're going into and learning different aspects of just being able to run a household, right? Being able to understand where your money's going and telling it where to go, right? So a lot of times we look and say, well, where'd our money, where'd my money go? You have no clue. But if ahead of time, you know what you're doing with the capital, then you become you know, more in control. And I had to do that because I, I had to get out of this big debt hole, right? And so I was able to make a plan pay off this debt, get out from under these things and become strategic about it. But along the way, you know, I had to do like the Dave Ramsey course. And, you know, I, I went into all these businesses. I became a commercial banker strategically because I was like, I don't know how to run a business. So who knows how to, who goes in a lot of businesses? I'm like, bankers go in a lot of businesses. Well, I made a goal to go become a commercial banker. Now, at the time, I had no idea, but I was completely toxic because I was from the real estate industry. I went down to my bank. I got four letters of recommendation. From different people I worked with there, and I I went I and I thought okay well here I am I built you know I've had thirty employees I built this stuff from scratch like they're gonna be you know fawning over me you know still still in that cocky mode of like this should be easy you know I'll just be I'll just be a banker well I applied um, twenty seven times in one day there was twenty seven business banking positions around the country and uh, within five minutes I had twenty six emails rejecting me wow. The only one that called me was for a position in Sebring, Florida for $24,000 a year, which Sebring is like an Okeechobee. It's like Oka- the swamp, <laughs> okay. basically, of Florida. And uh, it's like around the Okeechobee and uh, the big, big lake. And it's like basically it's just a swamp area. And it was twenty four grand a year. And they call- the lady calls me. And the first thing out of her mouth is, uh, just so you know, I didn't have enough people to call. So I'm calling you, but we're not going to hire you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great great interview, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just just fill out my my uh my appointment calendar. Thanks. Thanks yeah, that's up. what she said to me and I said, "Well, that's fine." I was like, "But you have to talk to me for an hour then." And she was like, well, "What do you mean?" I go I go, "I don't you, you don't have to hire me." I was like, "But you have to interview me because you already called me. So let's let's do this and you tell me at the end of this interview if I'm a blank slate, you don't know anything about my background, if you'd hire me or not." Does that sound fair? You know, and she said, all right, I've never had anybody say that to me before. So let's talk. By the end of that interview, an hour later, she said, you are so overly qualified for this position. And I said, I know. <laughs> and she said, uh, she said, I said, that's why I don't want this job. And she was like, well, what have we been doing for the last hour? I go, I've been trying to make an impression so that you can contact the recruiter who has the business banking job. Do you know her? She said, yeah. <laughs> she said, yeah. I was like, well, will you please email her and copy me on it? And she did. Wow, let's talk about you know seizing a, a, just a little sliver of a you know light between the door crack, right? I didn't have a That's, choice, man. I had to kick the door open. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have a choice, right? I didn't. I was. I was just like, wow. Like I, when you know, I there was. That's one of those things. Like I was committed to getting this job, right? 
And then the, I, I didn't have a choice. I didn't give myself a choice to say, okay, then thanks for calling me. Right. So I'd love to um, bring this into a, a scenario for, for kids here. And I, I happen to have one of those things called a kid. So, <laughs> so from a selfish perspective, I, I've got an interesting scenario right now where my son, Graham, who I've, you know, we've done a lot of different things together and, and being an entrepreneur myself, I've kind of been nurturing along that way. Well, which I think is awesome, by the way. Well, it's, it's, it's so much fun, right? It's, yeah. I, I love the teenage years because I'm finding now is the time when there's so much overlap in like interests and ideas and you can work on things together. Like he's, he's been editing my podcast for over a year now. And it is actually, you know, him doing me that, that favor in a sense that then spurred his interest in launching his own business back in September. So like, I guess three months ago. And he said, yeah, dad, you know, I've been encouraging him to try to find you know, something that he'd like to, to focus on. He has so many talents. And he says, yeah, I want to add podcasts. I'm like, mm, okay. I was thinking, wow, like, sounds like a lot of time, a lot of work, but it was something you wanted to, to, to grow in. And anyway, you know, it's taken a couple of months, but now he's getting all this uh, attention. He's, he's actually got more demand than he can meet. And so one of the things that I'm curious about is, you know, I'll admit, we haven't talked a lot about the finance side. I mean, he, he is using, not all the time, but uh, we use something called YNAB or You Need a Budget for his personal finances. Now I've actually, I've, I've, I've interviewed the uh, owner and the founder of that. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Actually there's a time back in a, in a different time. I was actually trying to, to work there because it just seems like an amazing culture to learn from. Yeah. Great guy. So I guess I'm, I'm you know, as a, as a parent, I'd, I'd love some help in trying to figure out, you know, how I can support Graham and, you know, obviously he's going to be exposed to a lot of things, but you know, what, what can I do to like, equip him better on the financial side as he moves forward now at say age 18 in his business and, and life? What would you suggest? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So most entrepreneurs go into business the exact same way your son is, right? Like found an interest. I think I can charge money for this. Let's go see how it works, right? And kind of just, you know, I'll I'll and, and things just kind of happen, right? But there's six pieces to a company, right? There's six pieces to a business. And this happens to almost every single small business owner when they go into being self-employed, not really a business owner, right? It's a two different things. And so he's going to have pieces where he's going to gravitate towards, right? There's sales, there's marketing, there's operations, there's customer service, there's accounting, and then there's HR, right? And so out of those six pieces, generally, most people are going to gravitate towards one or two of them that they fall into, right? Like I'm a classic, I don't like accounting person. <laughs> Right. But the differences that I found when I went into those thousands of businesses and I saw very successful business owners and very in the, in the same industry and people that were struggling continually was that they knew their numbers. You don't have to do the accounting, but you have to know your numbers. Right. And so for him, what I would suggest is this is to sit down and go through and make a plan on each one of those pieces of the business. Right. So how are you going to handle sales? If he's got six jugs of milk for sale and one buyer, buyer's in control. He's in the opposite right now. He's got one jug of milk and six buyers, right? Raise your prices. So how are you going to handle the sales? Okay, well, maybe this is where a good spot is to niche down. And you say, okay, I want to do podcast editing, but I want to do it for the education space. So there's all these schools, the private schools and stuff that could use a podcast well, why don't I become the private school podcast editor, right? And he's niched down and he becomes the authority in that, in that space. 
which allows him to sell for more money, have consistent revenues, put people on a contract, a MRR, monthly recurring revenue, right? Pick the people who he wants to deal with. And he becomes sought after, which he's solving bigger problems and he becomes the authority in that space. He can charge a lot more money. Okay. So you have a sales position, then you have a marketing position. Okay. How am I going to market to these private schools? Where are the, where's my customers at, right? Where are they? Well, if the private schools have a network or maybe a Facebook group, or there's a, there's a newsletter that they all get, you know, then that's where you go make noise at. Right. And then if you say, okay, well, how operations, well, maybe he likes doing the podcast editing. Maybe he doesn't, maybe that's not the best use of his time. Can he get a VA to do that for him for five dollars an hour and he's you know twenty dollars a podcast and he can charge a hundred and fifty dollars a podcast? Well now he's got leverage, right? So he's got operations. Right. Yep. So you you kind of you don't necessarily and and the plans are it's kind of just like what we talked about with goal setting, right? It's not it's not necessarily that your plan is perfect or that you are writing the best plan possible. It's more in line that you're writing a plan, right? So now you have a benchmark. You're thinking about all the aspects that need to be considered. Yeah, absolutely. For what you know at the time, right? You're never going to know everything. And so if he's writing the aspects today, then have a plan that every, every two or three months, I would even say you could even look at it monthly in the startup phase, but go back and look at your plans and just spend an hour planning out the business, right? Because that's the part that most people uh, skip is that they don't look and say, okay, these are the plans of what I want to do. And then where did, did I get to them? Write those goals down. And a business plan is nothing different than that. And you know what? He's a one-man guy. He's HR, right? So you go, oh, I don't have to worry about HR. Okay. Well, how are you going to plan for your taxes? How are you going to get paid? Are you going to set up a 401k for yourself? Are you going to use a payroll company? Are you going to... Because you're going to file taxes at some point, right? How am I going to handle this stuff? And if it's just me, that's fine. But if I'm going to hire, start hiring people, how am I going to handle their pay? Do I have their 1099s in line? Do I have their... You know, am I paying him through a service? Is it and then the accounting piece too? If he wants to learn how to do it, there's a million YouTube university videos on how to run QuickBooks, right? Maybe he hates accounting, then find an accountant, right? Like, so you gotta you gotta have a plan in place for each part of it, and find out where your zone of genius is, where you shine. But the one thing you can't do is not know your numbers. Okay, so he needs you need to get him in the habit of looking at his numbers either weekly or monthly, and going through it line item by line item on a PL and and balance sheet. The other part I would tell you that most entrepreneurs skip is balance sheet. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's, it's the most important because like right now, when we have these downturns and things stop, the P&L stops. But if you've got the capital based built up to where you, ha- you, you basically, you can make better decisions for the business when you've got capital in the company. And what I mean by that is you're not trying to take every job just to get revenue coming in the door. And now you command better jobs, you command uh, more pricing, or you work with the customers that you want to work with that you can provide the best solutions to because you're going to be happier. They're going to be happier. You're going to make more money and you're going to get referrals and life's going to be better. But if you don't build any capital, like I didn't when I was 27 years old, mm-hmm. then when the music stops, the stuff doesn't stop, right? Life doesn't stop. And yeah. so as my revenues were shut off from the real estate industry, I didn't have a backup plan. <laughs> you know, right. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so I, didn't, I wasn't able to, you know, there were people that made fortunes in 2009. 
I wasn't one of them because I didn't plan for 2009. I was living in 2007. Right. Right. <laughs> and <yeah>. so <laughs> my, my yeah. best story to him is, is to sit down and go through each facet of the business and make a plan. Even if it's a basic one, man, even if he's, you know, as a teenager, like it doesn't need to be a dissertation or like, yeah, just on one sheet of paper, you know, kind of like the business model canvas kind of idea. Just, that's it. So yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a real quick thing if you got a second. Uh, so I, just to kind of bring it back to where, like, well, the way I see things, I knew a kid that, that I interviewed that was doing, he got a patent on a shoe and it was half sandal, half croc because he didn't like his toes getting busted up and he didn't like wearing full crocs because they rubbed the back of his foot. So he got his patent on it, right? And he goes to China and he's in the factory and the, kid, the guy comes up and he says, how's this one? And the kid squeezes it and he goes, needs to be more squishy. He hands it back to him, right? The guy goes and makes it more squishy and comes back. Well, at the end of the week, they made the shoe and they're getting, they're launching it now through Kickstarter and all this stuff. And um, the guy at the factory came back and said, I, I've had the best week ever working with your son, telling the dad, and the kid's, you know, seven or eight, you know? And the guy goes, what do you mean? He goes, are you, are you messing with me? He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, it takes product designers six months to give me 20 pages to tell me to get it more squishy. <laughs> he goes, your son squeezes it, looks at it, and goes, make it more squishy. We divided, we developed a shoe in one week that normally takes two years. Wow. So don't <laughs> overcomplicate things. Just make a plan, right? Like just, just say, okay, what are we going to do for sales? This is what we're going to do. Okay. When are we going to raise our prices? This is where we're going to raise our prices. Okay. What are we going to do for marketing? This is where, where are our people? How are we going to market? Maybe and just have, make it a yeah. yeah. And then go, you can refine it as you go, right? Imperfect action beats perfect inaction. Sounds like we should have kids teaching us uh, adults how to. One thousand percent. Awesome. You know, I just that, that stuck with me when he told me that story. He said, "Make it more squishy." I'm like, just simplify, man. You know, yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite sayings in the, in, that I've ever uh, read. Was a guy talking to his son, and he said, "Son, if I had more time, I would have wrote a shorter letter." He was writing for more before he died, and he said, "If I had more time, I would have wrote a shorter letter." Mm. And so it's much more to, it's it's much more important to take action and be and be you know simplified than it is to overcomplicate and think of all the scenarios in the world that could happen for you and your business. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I mean, even, certainly even the, the world of email marketing, which is where I'm, well, my focus is right now. It's yeah, it's all about simplicity, readability, keeping you know the the language down to a grade three reading level. You know, it's just it, that that kind of stuff gets consumed and and processed, and you know, you get the results you're looking for. And when we try yeah. to fancy and wordy and uh, you know overthink things then every, every everything bogs down yeah yeah for him make sure that he can tell people what he does mm-hmm. right and that's a simple that's a simple thought but it's hard to do sometimes sure so what do you what do you what do you what does your company do and if you can make it very very short then he's on to something because if people can understand what you do and what the result is of what you do with just a one sentence then you've got something there then you're done you're ready to go now go make noise yeah, totally awesome. Thanks. So for, for other parents that are out there, maybe maybe they're not as entrepreneurial or, or their kids don't feel as entrepreneurial. What, what advice do you have for, for them to try to equip their kids for the future in terms of you know, having that financial literacy so that when they do get to the point where they're, you know, they're, they're working a job or you know, they've got a business starting to roll, what, what are the things they should be thinking about now before they you know, leave, the, leave the nest, so to speak? Yeah, you know, it's, a big, it's a big subject. But my, I, I would say again, to make it simple is to start talking. Don't make it uncomfortable in your house to talk about money. You can talk to your comfort level about your own personal finances, right? But so we've all, we've all written a money story. Your money story includes when you were younger, the inputs that you got from your household, your parents. Then as you got older, the way that the world started, you know, the way you see money. 
the way you've handled it throughout your own life and the things that you've done and accomplished. But today, all that's already been written. And so if you don't like the way your story has gone, then write a different ending. But you have to take action. You have to do it now. You can't say, I'm going to do it because you can't build your reputation on what you're going to do. That's Henry Ford. It's my favorite saying in the world. You cannot build your reputation on what you're going to do. Don't tell me that you're going to get better with money or don't tell me that you're bad with money. Say that I am learning about money, right? I am teaching my kids about money. They don't need a financial guru. They need a voice and an opinion. You know way more than they know about it. So all you have to do is be one step ahead. And so the idea is in like in our podcast, twice a week, we do what's called a high impact series. And I've got people that are just super high achievers on this podcast that are telling one thing that you can go talk about with your kid. So it's an eight minute listen. You take your headphones off and you go talk about the one subject that they just pulled back the curtain and gave you a bunch of ideas to talk about. But the fact that you go take the action to make the conversation, that's the important piece, man. That's the secret sauce. There's no, there's no magic wand. There's no book that you can read. There's no, you know, you, if you don't go and open up the conversations with your kids and go in with an open mind and, and ask them about the way they see things, then it's very difficult to have any measure of success in that conversation. You know, we talked about entrepreneurship a lot in my family. My dad, I didn't know this at the time. I don't think the term was coined out there, but he had a lot of side hustles that he used to do, you know? Okay. All right. And, uh, and I just grew up around that. My mom became an entrepreneur. You know, I was, I got five cents a, a stamp <laughs> and, a, and an envelope stuffed uh, that I, I would work on, you know, watching TV or at, on the weekends and stuff for her company and stuff envelopes. And so when I grew up, I just assumed I was going to own a company. Like it's just, I just, I never, I never had that barrier. But we really never, ever talked about finances in my house, you know? And so when I got, I was a finance major, I owned financial companies. I owned a mortgage company and a real estate company. And I considered myself financially literate. And so I was laughing earlier when you asked me, right? Um, I considered myself a financial guru, actually. And then come to find out, man, I had never spent any time learning or filling my own bucket with, those inf- with that information. And it's not mind-blowing. There's not a lot of, there's, there's basic principles that are out there. They've been there for thousands of years. They still work today. There are tips and tricks, bells and whistles, but man, the basics, the blocking and tackling stuff, you know, do you know what a mortgage is? Yeah. Okay. Well, your kid doesn't. So why don't you talk to him about how you finance a house and what it takes to pay it back and the interest that you pay. You know, my daughter, we were talking last night about borrowing future income, right? What's that? That's credit. Just, what's credit? I said, well, you borrow, you know, borrow money now. And I said, if you have $10 and I borrow it from you because I want to buy something right now, but you tell me I got to pay you $12 back next week. She was like, okay, so I make $2 by just letting you my money. And I'm like, yeah. And I go, but I pay $12 for something you can buy for $10. She was like, huh? And I go, yeah, it's a lot better to be the bank than the borrower. And she was like, <laughs> yeah. She's like, I need to, she's like, I want to, and she's nine, you know? And she's like, She's like, well, I want to figure out how to lend money then because I could, and I'm like, yeah, you can make money in your sleep. And she was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, but that conversation, you don't understand the seeds you're planting, right? They're yeah, turning these big trees, tricky. you know? And so that's why I say like, the, it, it's such a big conversation. Like I don't have a specific tip or trick to say, look, do this one thing and your kid's going to be fine. But what you're doing is you're, you're offsetting their financial trajectory. 
right? And so if they had a specific trajectory that was planned out for them over their whole life and you just moved it, I don't know, one thought with my daughter last night when I'm talking to her that she wants to be the lender, not the borrower. And I just ticked that little mark, right? It's like a spatial taken off from earth. You know, it's on a path. Well, all of a sudden I just moved it an inch another way. It ends up a million miles away at the end of the day, right? And so you can have these impacts with these little conversations. And so my best advice is just get involved and talk to them. Yeah, that's wow. That's that's yeah, that's so good. I mean, there's so many layers to that, right? And you've just inspired me. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna be uh listening to your podcast and starting to have more regular conversations. It it doesn't like you said, I think I think your your big tip really is it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think what's really helpful about your podcast, it just provides those little prompts, right? Those little cues. So you can where to start. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're like, man, what like I gotta go talk to my kid about finances like where do i start you know and you just it becomes this big elephant right it's like the old saying like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time so um, that gives you the one little subject to say okay well today you know i'm gonna go talk to my kids about i'll give you an example like talking to your kids about what do they want to be when they grow up like i had no clue when someone would ask me that what do you want to you grow up and i'm like i don't know doctor or lawyer right And that's all you ever heard I'm like, I knew like 10 jobs. Like I knew there was a policeman, a fireman, like a baker. Like, I don't even know, like I never even thought about it. Right. So I had no idea what I want to be when I grow up. So uh, like one of the tips was, I wish I would have thought about who I want to work with and who I want to serve when I grow up. And he goes, the job didn't really matter. And I'm like, man, and then we kind of dive into that for eight or 10 minutes. And he gave like some tips, like go talk to your kids about what their interests are and what kind of, do they want to be around people? Do they want to be around animals? Do they want to be around computers? Do they want to, and, and just be open-ended and have these conversations. And so you, there's a lot of those conversations in there of these like things you might not think of, but I asked this question, you know, what is the one thing that you would teach about that our schools don't, that's had a major impact on your life. And it's really funny because a lot of times when I go to, when I ask, I tell them the question ahead of time, but then when I go to ask it live and I can see them on the zoom call, there's a lot of the interviews where there's a pause and you can see the wheels just turning in their head. And then they're like, you know what I want to talk about? And you just see this thing, like you can see it coming from inside them that they wish they knew as a kid, you know? And it's like, it's just really powerful and a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing that. That's going to be super valuable for a lot of, a lot of parents. I know. Wow. We've covered a lot, a lot of, a lot of ground today. <laughs> I guess one thing I'd like to kind of along the lines of what you're saying there is you know with with all the work that you're doing i mean what's 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 your hope like what what kind of world are you hoping to create what is what does success look like for you in in your efforts here yeah well with money talkers in in specific you know i originally was going to call it the trillionaire movement because i wanted to help a million people learn how to be millionaires and a million times a million is a trillion but I can't spell very well. And I got tired of typing it in the URL bar because it got annoying. So I changed it. <laughs> and I started really finding what I, what I really found was I didn't necessarily want to teach a million kids to be millionaires. I mean, I do. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's really there. But as I dove into this and I talked to you know peers and I talked to a lot of them and I really found that that relationship was missing, right? That, that building of opening the door. So there's two things that cause anxiety for parents or not. There's a lot of things cause anxiety for parents, but the two biggest ones that come up are birds and the bees and money. 
right? I don't want to be a birds and the bees expert. <laughs> it's not my, <laughs> not my zone of genius, right? <laughs> but, but so I know about money and I'm like, well, why is it, why is there anxiety around it? And because a lot of people don't know where to start. They're embarrassed. They don't feel like they're financially literate. They're not, they don't feel like they're the ones that should be teaching their kids about this. And I'm like, no one's ever going to care for you more than your parent would. There's no one in the world that will want the best for you at all times, no matter what. And I'm like, it's really bothers me. And it's really sad that that relationship has fractures of something that's going to be so impactful in their life. They're going to deal with money every single day of their life. And we don't, we don't talk about it. And we don't want to, we're our anxiety or embarrassment or hesitancy gets in the way of our kids success. And that can't happen. Right. In my mind, you can't be more anxious than your want and your why for your kid to be successful. And that is where I see the power that the stories and the podcast and the information and hopefully the inspiration come from is because I don't want that to be the story for parents. I don't want it in my household. And by doing these interviews, I tell people, look, this podcast is for me. I get an hour. I get to pick your brain. I get to, in, I get to have a framework. I get to ask whatever I want. And I have become such a better parent in the last year by listening to these people that I, I hope and my dreams are that it impacts a whole lot of other parents and they build that relationship. Because if they build that relationship and if they talk to their kids about these things, the trajectory comes, right? That little, that little tick that I talked about earlier, that little movement, the millionaire, the million millionaires, like that comes. And if these kids are armed with something like your son is doing right now and they become entrepreneurs, they don't know what they can't achieve because they don't know it yet. Right. So they don't they don't have these shackles that you have, the, the life of the, around it. And so they can go out and solve bigger problems and they can because they don't know that they can't do it. Right. They see the world as I can go tackle that. It's not it's not too big for me. And so I feel like if they can get this information in their hands and they have the support with their parents and these relationships built, they're going to go out and solve the world's biggest problems. Awesome. Well, that's, that's a inspiring, awesome way to wrap up Cody. Just let everyone know again, the, the name of the podcast so they can, they can check it out for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's called money talkers with Cody Laughlin. It's on every kind of outlet there is for podcasting listens. And then uh, if you want to follow along with what I'm, what I'm doing and what we put out there, go to the moneytalkers.com. Awesome. And we'll have all those links in the, the show notes as well for people to, to find. So this is really amazing, Cody. I, I, as a parent, got a ton of value from it. And I'm sure uh, everyone else listening there did too. So thanks so much for, for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. And thank your listeners for listening because if otherwise just you and I talking, right? So, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so I, I hope that that, you know, there's some sort of inspiration or spark in there that, that, because if, if my one takeaway, man, is you got to take action. You can't just listen. You got to participate. Okay. All right. Take care.